And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to a mobile edition of the Warriors All 82 podcast. I'm with Sam Amick driving back from, you know, what I would say opened as a choppy, clunky Warriors-Grizzlies game. Bad first half. Whistles everywhere. Warriors had like 13 turnovers in the first 19 minutes. Grizzlies started the game 1-12 from 3. Like, in a lot of ways, kind of poorly played, but set up competitively to be a good second half. There was chirping late in the first half, and I think the second half delivered and delivered for the national audience. For It was entertaining. It was a little bit, you know, tense. The, the NBA labeled it as rivalry week, and there was a good finish which included a, a Jordan Poole game-winning layup to redeem himself for in some ways causing a Steph Curry ejection I know there's a lot there what was like what's your biggest memory you think from this game I <laughs> uh, appreciate you having me my, my friend um, listen pre-game as you remember Slater I asked Steve Kerr about rivalry week and if it was something that essentially got him going and he laughed and said is that a thing? I said, yeah, it doesn't seem like it's really kind of overtaken you. And he's like, all right, maybe it will. And, and I actually think by the end of the night, like you said, they did deliver. We had some emotion. We had some drama. For a second, the part that cracked me up was that it looked like, you know, Clay Thompson's preferred script where you had Jaron Jackson Jr. fouling out, a guy that Clay has gone at publicly in the past for some of his, you know, perceived disrespect of the Warriors and Clay hitting a big shot late. You know that, that you thought might get the job done, but the Grizzlies responded, and and then, you know, it's like if that wasn't going to be the script, then the Jordan Poole finish was just as good with a different angle where you had him. It's there's really no way around it. Like he was the reason that Steph got fired up. Was the reason Steph threw the mouth guard, got thrown out of the game, and and so no better guy to win the game than Jordan. And to his credit, I, I loved, you know, his kind of impromptu choice in that hallway afterwards as Steph is waiting to greet the team after the win and Jordan's coming down the hallway and I'm sure everybody listening has seen the video where Jordan throws his mouth guard and, and it's it's a great disarming tactic right like he and Steph have a moment they laugh about it they move on every time you get the W it's it's easier to get past the things that happen in a game and and the, the rivalry part and we talked to Draymond afterwards like you know I know it's only January it's not the playoff stage, but but they love beating this team. And, and Draymond talked about how the Grizzlies were chirping quite a bit, and that's just going to add more fuel and, and, and make it a little more sweet for them. You see the Clay quote? No. What did he say? Monty Poole uh, asked him, like, you know, is it, something, is it mean a little extra to beat the Grizzlies? And he paused for probably like four seconds, like, um, thought about it. And then he said, you could say that. One of their players said something mean about Andre. 
like, and this is dating back to, to yeah, yeah. you know, I mean, that's really kind of what is the origin, the seed of this rivalry is the, is the Andre Iguodala basically snub of the Grizzlies, uh, right. you know, going there. But he said, you know, one of their players said something mean about Andre. Andre's getting his jersey retired here, so I don't appreciate that. Um, so, yeah, no, they do take it personal. But you said something I think important within, you know, we're, we're talking about, you know, which was probably the most interesting sequence of the game, which is Jordan Poole comes off. You know, Dante DiVincenzo gets a rebound with about, I think it was like 118 left. Offensive rebound. Shot clock resets to 14. They kick it out to Poole. There's probably still 12 on the clock with the ball in his hands. Steph Curry is curling wide open. So even if you're taking a long shot, pitch it over to Steph Curry to take that long shot. But also, milk some clock maybe. You're up two. Uh, and, he, and Jordan Poole just chucks like a 30-footer. Um, which incites an angry Steph Curry to throw his mouth guard. He believes he kind of threw it into the court, kind of bounced off the court and, you know, shuttled its way towards the front row. Uh, And uh, the official, which I can't pronounce his name, so I'm not even going to try, but he was having quite a night. Uh, He just heaves him, which under law was the crack, you know, like if you – throw an object and it enters the stands that is an automatic ejection this actually happened to Andre Iguodala in one of the few games he's played this season recently but um, then yeah we know what happens the Warriors stabilize they still win the game Poole can be the hero and and he's coming off the court uh, with the mouth guard thing but it's an example of like what winning can do to an environment and the chemistry of a team or whatever like they can kind of play fully you know, brush it off. Both of them can come up to the podium, answer questions. You know, Steve can kind of take a little dig at Jordan uh, when he's asked about it, but also be like, hey, look, it's all positive vibes tonight, whatever, because they won. Right. And there would have been a lot of, you know, in some ways, I guess you could say bad press, bad, you know, uh, uh, it was just been a really bad feeling around them had they lost this game. It would have knocked them two games under 500. It would have been their fifth straight loss at home, but also it would have just been another example of this veteran championship team just, you know, gacking away wins. Should be wins. I mean, they, they did it in Boston last week. They really did it against the Nets the other night. And it's just been, like, not good just energy around this team. And and in the pool scenario that you're mentioning, it's just another reminder that, like, winning is such a deodorant at all times. It is, and to contrast that a bit with the other side, you know, I went to the Grizzlies locker room, and they've now, I believe, lost four in a row. Is that right? 0-4 on this road trip. 0-4. You could look at the Sacramento game and say no John Morant, no Steven Adams. Obviously, Steven now is out for quite some time. But 0-4 for a team that has been in the running for, you know, most impressive regular season team in the league. Um, their locker room was miserable. And to be honest, not to get into the media stuff too much, but, you know, we do typically expect to talk to a couple of players. And, you know, they, they had lined up John Morant and one other guy to be at the podium. And next thing you know, change of plans, nobody's coming to the podium. Uh, we're going to go in the locker room. Go in the locker room. Sat there and watched John Morant make it very clear to a team official like he didn't feel like talking. Um, you know, no John Moran, no Dylan Brooks, no Jaron Jackson. I believe by the end of the night, you got Zary Williams. Uh, no, I'm sorry, Brandon Clark did talk, and then Tyus Jones. But even beyond that, 
you know, we, we were kind of waiting to see who was willing to talk. And you could hear plenty about their mood. Um, they were even, guys were talking about a, a team dinner that was organized. And, and you could sense that it was like, I'm hungry, but do I want to go sit at dinner with the coaches and hear about what we did wrong? You know, and, and they just, you know, they weren't in a good place. You know, somebody mentioned Jaron Jackson Jr. being down quite a bit. Like, they, they're incredibly competitive in general and, and even more so with this team. And they hate losing to this squad because they were the ones in the playoffs last year, and we've talked about it before, you and I, like who they flexed in a big way. When they lost to the Warriors, they, they refused to just kind of tip the cap. They, they played the card of like, you know, we didn't have jaw, and no, we don't think we lost because these guys are the Warriors. We think we lost because of what we did. And also, like, all right, that's the final one. Like, you know, you guys had your little swan song. It's our league next yeah. year. 100%. You know, I mean, Dylan uh, Brooks had, had talked at the time about, you know, um, the Warriors getting old. He made his infamous dynasty comment about his team, which obviously made no sense. I think I've told you this story on, the, on our other pod on tampering, but, like, you know, I sat in a press conference where Jaron Jackson sat next to me, and when, he, when uh, he was listening to, I think, Dylan, but when a question came about, you know, is it the Warriors' experience that you think made the difference in that playoff series? I mean, that question clearly irritated Jaron. He shook his head as he sat there and was just like, no, no. So, I mean, they're a stubborn, proud group, and so that means it's going to stick a little tougher when you lose like that. Yeah, and, you know, on that same tampering podcast, I remember discussing my doubts about the Grizzlies with, you know, you and Fred, and I think we had Krasinski on that. Uh, episode and part of the doubts that you know popped up on Christmas or again showed up tonight it's like guess what happened Jaron Jackson fouls out Jaron Jackson I believe committed five second half fouls including the Warriors go small which by the way like it's it's somewhat of a desperation tactic they're now starting extremely small with Poole, Clay and uh, Curry and tonight close went with five minutes left they're down nine they close with Pool. There's no Wiggins tonight, so it's 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 Curry, Pool, Dante Divincenzo, Clay Thompson as the power forward, and Draymond Green as the center. Clay Thompson and Draymond Green are listed at six foot six. A lot of people will tell you Draymond six foot five. You could argue that Clay Thompson is their tallest player, uh, and they're going against a lineup that includes Jaron Jackson. And part of the reason they're going small is because they want to spread Jaron Jackson away from the floor. They end up going on a 14-3 run. It really works. That's part of the story from the Warriors' side. But from the Memphis side, Jaron Jackson stay on the floor. You know, he gets a rebound foul on Draymond Green. Who baits him into fouls? I mean, Draymond Green, maybe he's the Michigan State kind of big brother, little brother type thing. But you go back to the Christmas game, Draymond baited him into some important fouls. He only ends up playing 21 minutes in the Christmas game. And it's just... Again, more examples of, like, if this team... Memphis is going to have a better regular season record than the Warriors. If they meet in the playoffs, just like last year, Memphis will very likely have home court. This year it wouldn't even be 2-3 in a second round. It might even be, like, 2-7 or something like that. But regardless of what the records are, as long as both sides are healthy, I think a lot of people would pick the Warriors going in the series because of games like tonight and games like Christmas where it's just, like, when it feels like playoff basketball, you kind of know who might make the mistakes and who might not. 
like always, you know, you can share whatever you, you feel like sharing. So I don't know if I'm putting you in a spot at all, but post game, some of the discussion with Draymond, I thought was really interesting. And it felt like it had little shades of like a quasi defensive player of the year analysis as we were talking about Jaron, because we were kind of sitting there talking about his propensity, you know, to, to, to foul out. And he's got an incredible amount of, you know, times that that's happened since he entered the league. And and this is, I guess, just me talking like it. I mean, we know every single year Draymond's going to feel like he should be Defensive Player of the Year. And right now, I think you would probably agree that Jaron is considered the front runner. Um, you know, you think it's safe to assume that, that that's on his mind, on Draymond's mind, and on a night like tonight? Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's like full Rudy Gobert levels of like, you know, how can this guy be Defensive Player of the Year? But sure, I mean, I know he pits himself up against that. And, you know, Draymond's correct belief is is like he does so much of what he does defensively is nuance it's brains it's you know sharp smart plays he'll take an automatic foul at a perfect time and like you know Kerr will come up to the podium post game and try to explain like when he fouled Mason Plumley in this situation you guys don't realize how perfect a foul, how smart a foul it was or you know little things I mean tonight he's mentioned in Draymond calling the final play um where Jaron, a lot of what Jaron Jackson does so well is just he's unbelievably long and bouncy and athletic, great rim protector, bothersome rim protector. I mean, it was so important for the Warriors that he left the game late because it took, you know, the guy that that, that shuts off their water at the rim off the floor. But it's, you know, it's more physical traits than mental traits. Right. Um, so, you know, I'm sure that opinion is there, but... You know, I don't think it's th- – these Warriors need to stabilize themselves before they can start talking about postseason awards. Fair, um, yeah. No, I wasn't necessarily going there. But you just – I guess it, go, it speaks to the the vibe between these two sides, whether it's the, the Iguodala subplot or the Jaron Jackson tweet or the, you know, Dylan Brooks quotes. You know, um, there's just a lot there. And I do – I mean, I'm here for it. I enjoy it. And it's great for the league. No, the league should great. be happy about the Christmas game they got in tonight. Yeah, absolutely. And and you know you were there when I asked Draymond post game. Like you kind of reminded me they lost that game in Boston, so that doesn't qualify here. But like they've got a handful of games this year, like this one, where you can almost it's, it's kind of like you know if you squint hard enough you can see where they can get back into title contention, even though the record's not good at all. You know, a handful of games, you know, the Memphis Christmas Day, the Boston previous game, like where... In that Boston game in Boston, I mean, they outplayed the Celtics in Boston for 47 minutes yeah. and screwed up at the end. 
where because of their resume and the track record, it's fair to say, like, who knows? You know, it's like you give them every opportunity as far as the way we speculate and, you know, prognosticate. Like, you know, at least for me, like, I'm going to not think that they're out until the absolute 11th hour. If they're fighting to be 500 at the end of the regular season, I'm still probably not going to say there's no way the Warriors make noise in the playoffs. Yeah, again, I mean, I laid out that 2-7 idea earlier. Like, if, if Memphis is the 2, and you know, they would be playing a play-in team yeah. coming out of the 7. Well, they're, that very possibly could be the Warriors as the play-in team coming out of the 7. And then what are you thinking if you're Memphis and you get that? And who does Vegas peg as the favorite if everybody's healthy? Or you know? even Denver if it winds yeah. up that way. I mean, there's not a team, New Orleans included, that is going to, I mean, there's no team, in the, certainly in the West, that's going to have any mental edge uh, on the Warriors and, and in the East either. So, you know, that's where, honestly, I, I'm loving how beyond the Warriors and the league at large, I'm, I'm really enjoying the, uh, the just the absolute chaos of the way that parody, chaos, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. It'll be fun to see where it goes. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> all right. Well, any other aspects of, of uh, this game? Uh, of interest to you I mean I know I, one guy I do want to ask you about Jonathan Kaminga is like emerging he really is it's, it's it's during a time where you know the Warriors are are still you know kind of hovering at 500 can't gain really any consistent traction in their season and and part of that reason is is this you know looming two timeline plan that obviously was somewhat at the heart of what we wrote about if people want to read the story that, that that we put out there about you know kind of Bob Myers unknown or you know uncertain situation moving forward but Jonathan Kaminga among this you're not being a very good hype man for the story Slater like you know if you want to read it maybe it's okay you should read it it's a relevant story it's a relevant story I Today, think I, mo- mean, mo- I was gonna well, say this most of the people listening have, have probably read fair. it so. all right you got the hardcores on here yeah, I mean, I was going to say elephant in the room for what we do. It was one of those nights where it is always interesting to, to go to a game where you just wrote about, you know, I mean, it's one of my favorite parts of the job is just you're writing about these humans and, and just kind of their work environment and how they interact and, and complicated situations like the one with Bob Myers where as far as the regular life stuff, like no one's feeling bad for anybody involved. These are all first world problems, but, you know, um, you you see you know i haven't been around your team for a minute so you can even feel like the angst just competitively where you know they're not playing like they want and there's this ripple effect this domino effect on everybody's moods and and potentially everybody's decisions you know on what they want to do and 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 again i know i said i was excited for the league at large playoffs wise i mean there's really no team more compelling than the warriors in terms of what they can or can't do in the playoffs having everything to do with I think what Bob Myers chooses to do what they choose to do with the roster um, there's just a lot happening with the Warriors right now for sure and you know what part of what I wanted to mention there <clears throat> is you know some of the angst has to do with this just inf- infusion of youth flooding of youth in the back end of this roster but Within that, Jonathan Kaminga is emerging. And, you know, Moses Moody's getting DMPs. James Wiseman was active tonight and did not play. You know, Steve Kerr was talking pregame basically. Like, he's their fourth center. Um, 
you know, and that, that that's a problem. And and Brian Rollins and, and Patrick Baldwin are, you know, even though Baldwin's shown some flashes, are, are not giving them much for their roster spots, at least in the current season. But Jonathan Kaminga, of these five recent draft picks, is is starting to stake claim to not only, like, hey, you know, he's a nice little, like, seventh, eighth man that can help you. Like, he might need to be more. I mean, in the pressure he put at the rim in the Nets game, he had 20 points, like, easy 20 points. All nine of his makes were in the paint. You saw it tonight. He had two poster dunks. He's out there guarding Jaw. He probably could stick with Jaw better than anybody else on the team, especially with Wiggins out. Um, and he's just – he's the type of physical force that, number one, they don't have because, you know, they're second to last in the league in paint points. That's where he lives. And What did Jaw shoot from the field? Do you remember? Uh, I do not remember. I wish I had a box score in front of me. Um, but – and then the other thing is, like – he just gives them a level of athleticism, uh, and youth, bounce, whatever, uh, switchability. That if he can do what he has done lately consistently, and I don't just mean lately, hey, he just came back from a foot sprain in the three games since he's been back. I'm going back to the the two weeks, three weeks before the foot sprain. He had a, he had a really good nights, not even just high-scoring nights, sometimes lower-scoring nights, but he's guarding Luka Doncic, picking Luka up full court. I mean, Draymond has had some glowing things to say about his individual defense, and I just, you know, while maybe the entire vision of this youth movement has not worked as cleanly as they'd hoped, Jonathan Kaminga is here, I think, right now, and, and you could argue you know, on certain nights should probably be in their closing lineup. I mean, just as somebody outside looking in, like, what do you think of where he's at? No, I think that's potentially really, really, really relevant. Like, the energy that even you kind of broke that down with feels like, like, I think this group, because they've accomplished so much, been through so much, and been doing this for so long, it feels like they they could use anything new and fresh to, to inspire them. And I'm talking about the older guys. You know what I mean? Like, to me, Kaminga really emerging, you know, maybe that is the kind of thing that wakes up the vets. Because it's funny, and tell me if I'm, if I'm off, because you know this team inside and out. Like, early season, the narrative and the accurate narrative was starting five for the Warriors, dominant, one of the best in the league, second unit really struggling. So nobody was pointing the finger at the vets. That feels like it's changed a bit. Even my one game here tonight, talking to different people, it was just like, well, the vets aren't closing well enough. The vets aren't playing well enough. Like, so to me, a Kaminga thing, from an energy standpoint and a, you know, kind of evolution, at least having one of the young guys really pop standpoint, I could see that not only being great in a vacuum for Jonathan and what he brings to the team, but you know, but giving them just something fresh and new around him. Yeah, not only from a mental perspective, but a physical perspective. You know, I think part of the reason the, the well, I know uh, a part of the reason the veterans are have struggled is it's the middle of a long season and they're older. You know, Andrew Wiggins is going through the worst physical, uh, you know, season of his career where he had a, a doctor strain that kept him out longer than he's ever been out, and he misses tonight's game with a non-COVID illness again. It's like the third time he's gotten sick this month. Kaminga starts in his place and like you know for him to give good minutes while Andrew Wiggins rests at home is important. Draymond Green and Kevon Looney overused this season with a you know depleted and, and too young front court behind him. Well 
can, can kind of help in that range. And, um, yeah, it's it to me, it's just like it's an important storyline to follow. Like, can he continue this? And I'm probably overthinking this, but even as it pertains to the Grizzlies matchup, like, you know, the idea of and you know, Ja didn't he had a good night, but he didn't get off tonight. And the idea of the Warriors having at least one young, athletic, powerful, prominent wing, you know, to throw at a guy like Ja, it, it cuts into that narrative where the Grizzlies are in their locker room going, all right, let's go beat the hell out of the senior citizens. You know, like this is a, this is a guy who. Well, you is know who different. it is. I mean, you know, it's what Gary Payton the second gave him last year, right? And then you know, it's also part of why they were like devastated when Gary Payton was knocked out of that Memphis series. Right. Uh, and they tried Jonathan Kaminga. You actually go back. Jonathan Kaminga started a couple games in that Memphis series because they thought they needed that type level of athleticism. It didn't work, but maybe the growth of Kaminga. The, you know the blossoming of him is coming in the middle of the second season, and maybe that ends up being a big storyline. Wow, it's a slightly positive uh, episode of the Warriors All Eighty Two podcast we just had. You know, and I guess that comes and wins. So, uh, Warriors now back to five hundred. They've climbed back to five hundred. They they are now ahead of the Thunder in the standings. They ended the ended the day tied with the Thunder. They're ahead of them now. Big note. It's all surreal. It's it's weird to me this late in the season to be highlighting that the Warriors are back to 500 as we drive towards Sacramento I'm used to those conversations being related we're the, we're the three seed took a rough L tonight um, alright Sam appreciate uh, you doing the pod and we will talk some point uh, later this week